Welcome to Generation Nation, the show that connects the five generations of Americans now living and working together. I'm Bobby Batista. We're going to have a little bit of fun today. A recent article on Huffington Post mused on what boomer songs the author felt should be on a millennial's playlist. He avoided groups and he focused on individual musicians, and he also did not include the obvious ones like Elvis or Aretha, Michael Jackson, etc. Now, the top three on his list were Blue Bayou by Roy Orbison. Working till the sun don't shine. Looking forward to happier times on Blue Bayou. Etta James, Tell Mama All I Could Do Is Cry. I heard church bells ring. And Little Richard's Long Tall Sally. He also included songs from Joni Mitchell, Al Green, Janis Joplin, Bo Diddley, Curtis Mayfield, Tina Turner, and Jackie Wilson. My picks? Well, I would have to agree with Roy Orbison, Joni Mitchell, and Al Green for sure. But a list like this is highly subjective, so we thought we'd go to an expert. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's music critic, Melissa Ruggieri, is with us with her picks and the reverse of that because we also thought we needed to know what millennial songs she thinks should be on a boomer's playlist. Melissa, great to see you. Great to see you too, Bobby. Okay, let's start with... What three or four boomer songs do you think should be on a millennial's playlist? I'm going to start with my favorite artist of all time. And I'm a little bit younger than the boomer generation. I'm more the Gen X generation. But Billy Joel, for me, would oh. be the top pick for anything. I'm in a New York state of And I saw him recently at Phillips Arena, and I was a little bit dismayed that there weren't that many younger generation type there. Whereas I go to a lot of rock shows, and you'll see a lot of dads bringing their kids, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Billy, everybody was my age and older. Yeah. (laughs) And that made me a little sad because he's got such an awesome catalog of music, especially his 70s output was amazing. His album Turnstiles is probably one of my top three favorite albums. And I think anything off that album, uh, Summer Highland Falls, would be the the song that I would pick. I agree with you on that because I remember thinking back in the 80s or 70s that he was such a great lyricist. Yes. Really knows how to paint a picture with words. And and you go back to those 70s things and songs, and he was an angry man. Yes. <laughs> he was an angry young man, as, <laughs> as he says very distinctively in one of his songs. And that really comes through. And I don't think there are too many artists out there today who are painting those types of vivid pictures. New York State of Mind. You know, I mean, you, you hear that yeah. song, you are immediately yeah. brought right into yeah. Midtown Manhattan. You know, scenes from an Italian restaurant, Brenda and Eddie, all those types of songs. You're, you're getting this great imagery that not a lot of artists today are doing. And I think that if you are a millennial and you haven't really explored a lot of Billy Joel, you might want to go back. Turnstiles is the album that I would definitely start with with that. Cool. Who's next? Fleetwood Mac. (gasps) Fleetwood Mac. You know, no band has the soap opera history. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> these guys. That is true. And they're kind of still around. They are still around. They are. They're playing Phillips Arena for the second time. And, you know, just in the past couple of months, they're doing great. And, you know, 
their ability to turn a melody into something heavenly and also to take that soap opera and that drama that exists between all the members and channel it into music is so potent. And you go to an album like Rumors and you can listen to it a thousand times today just as you would have then when it came out and it still holds up. Mm -hmm. And you hear those songs live in concert. You see the way Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham interact with each other. And all that history is still there. And you can't take that away from (laughs) those guys. You can't hear them without thinking about everything that's gone into their history together as a band. And just such a wonderful band. Bear Trees. I remember that album. And the Buckingham Knicks album that, that Lindsay and Stevie did prior to joining Fleetwood Mac, early 70s, I believe. Really, really good stuff on yeah, that as well. Yeah. Now, I know everybody's going to laugh at me for picking this, but I'm doing it anyway. Barry Manilow. Happy people pass my way Looking in their eyes I see a memory And this is why. <laughs> and this is why. Okay. It's easy to mock Barry Manilow. But the man is a melodic master. If yeah. you listen to those yep. ballads that he's written, and you know, I don't care how old you are, everybody's had their heart broken <laughs> at some point. And there's no better way to soothe that broken heart than to listen to some Barry Manilow. I remember a few several years ago, David Duchovny from The X-Files had uh-huh. a dog named Mandy. And he openly talked about his love of Barry Manilow <laughs> because he said there was no one that he would rather listen to when he was feeling down <laughs> than Barry. I will admit, I I would I teared up more than once listening to you, Mandy. You, you, it's you impossible. Not to. <laughs> it's totally impossible not to. The guy's really brilliant. And I think the image, uh, you know, you hear the name and you laugh. That's mm-hmm. what most people do. But when you really listen to what he produced in, in the 70s and into the 80s, it's it's really just top notch stuff. And, and just the his work as a lyricist also. And he did the play that was in Atlanta recently, Harmony, uh, last year with his writing partner, Bruce Sussman. And then you also hear the depth of what he's capable of creating, a lot of big band stuff, a a lot of just not necessarily the balladry that he's known for, but I personally, I like the balladry. And my final pick for what I would say is, and this isn't really quite Boomer, it's a little more millennial, would be Duran Duran. And Mm -hmm. really because Mm -hmm. I think they defined the sound of the 80s. And initially people looked at them as a boy band. But when you really go back and see what they have produced, they're not a boy band. They don't dance. They don't have choreo. They all play instruments. They have more than a dozen albums that they've written themselves. They're they're a real band. They're a real rock band. And they're still around. They're still producing some great stuff. I actually talked to an up-and-coming singer named Kaiza the other day. She's a Canadian singer. And she was telling me she just recorded a song with them for their new album and was so impressed with how much they still love doing what they do. And I think if you go back to their Rio album from 1982, that that is the one that is really definitive as far as the sound that they created, the new wave, the, the new romantic era that they were part of, of course, the MTV era. They mm-hmm. really, really helped mm-hmm. anchor that back when MTV was playing videos. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just a whole different time. And I do think that there are a lot of millennials who might have necessarily checked them out and, to, as they should. And millennials like the 80s. I they mean, they're do. drawn to that decade. Yes. So, Look um, at Taylor Swift. Yeah, Taylor Swift. Exactly. <laughs> of course, yeah, Taylor Swift go. was born in 1989. <laughs> <laughs> who, who, that, that's another good question. What groups or bands or musicians um, from the boomer Gen X generation are millennials drawn to today? I think um, someone like Taylor, definitely. Someone, um, well, I'm sorry, what? 
reverse that. In other words, what? who are they? Like, for example, I know my daughter had some friends, some guy friends mm-hmm. who were really into Led Zeppelin right. and The Who right. and this kind of thing. So what What bands, you know, who, who are they drawn to, the millennials? The classic rock artists really seem to hold up well. And I think it's a boy thing, honestly. I, uh-huh. I really think, because, again, <laughs> I go to a lot of these classic rock shows and I see a lot of dads there with their teenage sons. More so to the extent that when I go to like a Barry Manilow that I would see a mom with her daughter. There are some. But, you know, you go see Aerosmith. Ton of people. You go see ACDC. Ton of dads and sons wearing the same T-shirts, you know, mm-hmm. where the dad's wearing his from 1976 and the kid's wearing the one he just bought for 45 bucks at the concession stand. Yeah. So there, there's a lot of trade off there. I do think, though, someone like Taylor Swift definitely transcends generations because you go to a show of hers and you see a lot of eight or nine year olds. She's got some young fans. With their moms, obviously, somebody has to be (laughs) there with them. One Direction. Uh, I was, you know, when I went to see One Direction, they have a lot of parents, and I know of a lot of parents who enjoy their music, Mm -hmm. not just because they're forced to listen to it in the car because Mm -hmm. of their kids, but actually really enjoy it. And, you know, I have to give some credit to Lady Gaga. What she is doing with Tony Bennett right now, they really are bridging so many gaps because she's so known for being the Madonna-esque type pop star and flamboyant and everything else. Now she's done a complete 180. She's crossing generations. Yeah, Doing the jazz thing with, you know, 80-something-year-old Tony Bennett and appealing to my mom (laughs) now more (laughs) than she probably would have before. And they're really doing a very cool thing that, you know, you look at them and it's sort of like a grandfather and his granddaughter. But the music they're doing is such timeless stuff, too, that you can't help but Mm -hmm. kind of dig it. But... You and I are both from New Jersey, and I'm going to shove one more person down millennials' throats because I did this to my daughter, and she didn't appreciate it at first, but then she really grew to get it, and that's Bruce Springsteen. You got to love the boss. Yeah. I mean, come on. It's like <laughs> so, it's like Sinatra. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they don't let you out. <laughs> Sinatra of rock. <laughs> really. And, and you talk about a lyricist. I mean, really, he is he is a uh, poet laureate. He really in many is. Ways. And that's what really got to my daughter eventually was that, you know, she really, really got, uh, you know, what he was trying to say. And you go back and you listen to Springsteen's 70s output. And oh, yeah. Those are just classic songs, especially, yeah. you know, when, when Clarence, you know, first joined the band and, you know, the, the E Street Shuffle, all, all that stuff is just tremendous. And, and talking about Bruce, one of the artists whom I really think that boomers would like, a, a young artist that reminds me of Springsteen a lot, is Ed Sheeran. So, honey, now take me into your Yes, he's great as a lyrical writer. He is so sparse in what he's able to do. If you've ever seen him live, this kid is amazing. He just has an acoustic guitar on stage with him, nothing else. No band, no backing tracks, and he creates his own loops. So he has a device with his foot that he'll play a melody, he'll record it, play it back, and as that's playing back, he's playing something on top of it, and he makes this sound that sounds like a full band, but it's just him. He does a fantastic version of Springsteen's Atlantic City. Well, they blew up the chicken man in Philly last night And they blew up his house too Down on the boardwalk they're getting ready for a fight Gonna see what them racket boys can do 
And if you haven't heard it, look for it online. Yeah. He did it on, on the radio show, and it's an acoustic stripped down, you know, which is really what he shines at doing. I mean, and his current song, Thinking Out Loud, is very Van Morrison-esque and, and also a little mm-hmm, bit of Springsteen mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. there as well. I mean, this, this guy really knows how to get right to the heart of things in a very simple way like Bruce does. Is there is there anyone from the uh, hip-hop rap genre that Boomer should have on their list? There is, actually. There's a, a young man named Lecrae who is in Atlanta right now. He came to us from Texas a few years ago, and he was originally being marketed as the Christian hip-hop artist. Uh, uh, I was made in America, land of the free, home of the brave. And right up under your nose, you might see a sex slave being traded. And, we'll do anything and he is still very faith-based. There, you know, he, he doesn't shy away from that at all. But he's moved into the mainstream a little bit more, um, won a Grammy this, this past year, his second Grammy. And he really has a lot of important things to say. And I know that a, a lot of boomers, you know, hear, just hear the word hip hop yep. <laughs> and go, oh, this is what is that? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> and or a little and, and in fairness, much of hip hop, they might be rapping about things that aren't going to be of interest <laughs> to boomers. Yeah. Where someone like Lecrae, he's talking about social issues and he's talking about, you know, forgiveness and community and how we can all be better people, but not in a sappy way, not in a very yeah. Mandela yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know what? I have to admit, I, I there was a, a, a fair amount of music from Eminem that I liked for, yes. because of the same reason, because of the, the, again, the lyrics. Exactly. And that's really what it comes down to in hip hop. I mean, any of these guys know how to rap. They're all very nimble when it comes mm-hmm. to their wordplay and all that. But it's really what they're saying is going to determine if you or I are going to be interested in it or if it's really geared more toward a 15 year old boy. You know? mm-hmm. And and someone like Lecrae, I think, really would appeal to an older generation as, as well. And, and he's just a really cool guy. He's a really nice person as well, which which comes through in his music. Anybody else? Hosier. Oh, yes. I was going to bring him love up. Love the Hosier. Yeah, I love the way he looks, too. He's very handsome. And he's, and, and he's yes, he's, he's a great Irish musician. Grew up in Ireland listening to the Delta Blues. And you're probably familiar with his song, Take Me to Church, which was the big Grammy-nominated mm-hmm. song and everything. Take me to church, I worship like a dog at the shrine of Honestly, nothing else on that album sounds like that song, and I think that's for the better in a way. I saw him in concert recently, and every song was this great blues rock type stuff. I mean, he plays guitar like John Mayer. I mean, you you just don't necessarily get that from Take Me to Church. And uh, a boomer friend of mine actually recently said he thinks that he sounds a lot like Elton John. And I hadn't thought about that initially, but then I went back and listened to it, and I thought, you know, he's right, actually. There's a lot of the same tone. And, and that's sings. another one that I would put on a, yes. on a millennial list yes. for millennials. They need to go back and listen to Billy and early Elton, early Elton, Elton John. Yeah, Elton and Bernie Taupin. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, I agree. Yeah, um, I hear a lot of boomer. Uh, boomers these days complain about today's mu- music. Like, you know, it's bad lyrics, lack of melody, Get everything sounds lawn. the same. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of it does sound the same because so much of it is mass manufactured mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And you, you don't often uh, hear bands or musicians that are just uh, playing instruments. I mean, everything is just so, you know, processed. Aud- audio mm-hmm. f- yeah, mm-hmm. filed out the wazoo. Mm-hmm. Is, is that fair criticism, though? Yes. Okay. (laughs) It is. It is. You know, and and, and I think there are so many pop stars out there. I saw Ariana Grande last night, and she's a technically 
proficient, perfect singer. I mean, there's really no other singer of her generation out there right now singing with with just the the absolute technical precision that she is. There's not a lot of soul in what she's doing. And, you know, you, you could listen back to someone like Cher and Cher's not the best singer and Cher knows she's not the best singer or Bette Midler. Some, yeah. you know, but there's so much character in their voice and you know it's them instantly. Whereas someone like Ariana, she sounds great, but you could line her up you know, put a blindfold on, just put on headphones and not see what you're listening to. And I'm not sure you could necessarily distinguish her from a lot of other artists because of the auto tuning that goes mm-hmm. on in the studio mm-hmm. and everything else. And she actually brought out a thing in concert. She had on these these gloves and they're called Mimu gloves. And they are they distort sound or they or they they kind of mess with the pitch of something. And she was demonstrating them in concert. And I'm thinking, why is someone who actually knows how to sing? Yeah. <laughs> using why this? are you doing that? There are some artists who probably <laughs> need that. But but yeah, so many artists you, you look at like a Miley Cyrus another really good singer mm-hmm. and Beyonce great voice mm-hmm. but yet there's so much involved in the packaging of them that it becomes more about the production and not as much about the voice and Lady Gaga is showing us now that she really can sing very very well when she's just in an acoustic environment singing jazz songs so where do you think the music industry is headed I uh, you know it's it, everything is cyclical and I'm sure we'll, you know, it'll right now the pop thing is very big again, and I'm sure we'll get back to, you know, if you go back a decade or so to the Sheryl Crows and, you know, Mary Chapin Carpenter had like a pop hit at the time, and and even what Taylor Swift was doing earlier in her career, and and just the less processed stuff, and I'm sure that'll come around again. But then you also you hear it in people like Ed Sheeran, and you hear it in Sam Smith, who's also a, a pretty organic singer, and and uh, Hosier, and yeah. you know, guy, guys like that. It seems like the guys. Are yeah. a little rootsier mm-hmm. right now, and the women are the processed pop stars, and everything flip-flops yeah. all, all the time. Well, we'll just keep following you then in thank the AJC. <laughs> Melissa Ruggieri, thank you so much. Thank you. Peace up. Peace A-Town up. down. Join us for the next Generation Nation. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Find it on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. And thanks for joining us today. I'm Bobby Batista.